Good morning. It's good to not see all of you, but uh, although we can't be together physically, I'm glad that uh, God has given us the ability to be together digitally and study God's Word uh, together in a virtual format. And uh, first of all, I just want to say just a quick, uh, very big thank you uh, to Pastor Casey, to the student ministry uh, leadership team, uh, just all the people that I've gotten to meet with just over the past uh, months and weeks, just as we've gone through this process, and just the immense uh, amount of time and effort that's gone into this whole process. And I just want to say uh, thank you to all of you who have been a part of this process. Pastor Casey, thank you uh, so much for uh, giving me the opportunity uh, to come to speak with you all this morning. And before we dive in uh, to our text this morning, I just wanted to give you a little bit more about me and just uh, give you a word about how God has brought me uh, to student ministry and just a little bit about me before we get started this morning. Uh, growing up, I, if, you've, if you have read what we've put together for you, you would know that uh, my father, I've grown up with a father as a pastor, and that's been such an immense blessing for me just growing up as having parents who were so uh, concerned and so eager to uh, have me brought up in church and brought up um, under great biblical teaching. And just as children do, I began asking uh, questions about what I was learning in the church very, very early on at a young age, uh, just about what the Bible meant, who God was, and, and just all the different things I was learning at church and in Sunday school. And I eventually began to ask questions, and my parents so uh, lovingly helped me through those questions, and I came to an understanding from a very, very early age uh, that there was something missing from my life. And not something, but someone uh, was missing from my life, and that was Christ. I finally figured out that just going to church and reading Scripture was not enough to atone for my sins, and I needed Jesus Christ as my Savior. So at uh, seven years old, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, and then was baptized, and just uh, throughout my years in the church, I've come to grow in my knowledge and understanding of that uh, decision. And as that kind of translates into my call to ministry... Uh, I'll just share with you that all my life, since I am a preacher's kid, people have always told me one thing, uh, that I was going to be a pastor just like my dad. And uh, from a very early age, I often pushed back on that. I saw all the different things that went into ministry, how long of hours it can be, and just how uh, tough it can be sometimes. And I just thought, man, I'm not cut out for all that, and uh, there's no way I'm going to be doing all that. But surely God began to uh, kind of knock on my heart's door all throughout high school, uh, showing me and just telling me that I would uh, be go, go to work for him in a ministerial capacity. And uh, although I didn't know what that was yet, I still fought back on that call from God for a long time. And part of my story is just student ministry played such a huge and pivotal role uh, in my discipleship when I was in high school and just had such a great impact on me. And uh, as God began to just chisel away at my heart, uh, sharing with me and telling me that uh, he was calling me into ministry, I knew uh, from the start that it would be to work uh, with students. And it was in my senior year of high school that I surrendered uh, to the ministry, to God's call in my life to work uh, with students. And that, so that's just a little bit about me as we get started this morning. If you have your Bibles close there uh, next to you or a device, whatever you have, I encourage you to grab those. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9 this morning. Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 37. And you might be surprised to learn that my roots in Red Oak uh, go a little back farther than you might think. Uh, my grandfather actually moved to the little town of Red Oak, Texas in 1976 
when the population was a booming 776 people. Now, my grandfather came to Red Oak in 76 to be the pastor here at First Baptist Church uh, here in Red Oak. And in my preparation over the past couple weeks to come this morning, uh, I called him and I just simply asked him, what was Red Oak like back in 1976? And he told me that Red Oak back in 1976 looked a lot different uh, than it does right now. He said mostly back in 1976, Red Oak was a small town with a whole lot of just empty fields. Just a small town of 776 people with empty, empty fields. But he knew eventually one day Red Oak would explode with growth. This area would just explode with growth. The little town of Red Oak, he knew, would look nothing like it did back in 1976. And I think we can safely say that he was right. And I think that we've seen that growth right before our very eyes. I think empty fields have turned into packed subdivisions. New businesses line the streets here in Red Oak. On my way into town this morning, I noticed there's a subdivision being built right here next to the church. And I was curious this past week, so I looked up the population growth throughout the years Uh, here in the town of Red Oak. So like I said, in 1976, uh, the population of Red Oak was 776 people. In the year 2000, it grew to 4,301 people. Ten years later, in 2010, the population had grown to 10,769 people. In 2018, just a couple years ago, the population of Red Oak was recorded to be 13,188 people. And we don't have 2020's numbers yet, but uh, by 2030, just 10 years from now, the North Central Texas Council of Governments uh, projects by the year 2030, Red Oak's population will grow to 63,329 people. In just 10 years, will grow to 63,000 people. And this growth that we've seen here in uh, Red Oak just over these recent years has brought so many young families with children and teenagers with them. And I think I am safe to say that many of them may not know Christ. And I believe God has placed East Ridge Baptist Church in a mission field that is ready to be harvested. He has given this church, East Ridge Baptist Church, such an opportunity to reach the next generation. But not only has he given us the opportunity to reach the next generation, he has commanded us to do so. And that's what I want us to consider this morning, just the importance of reaching the next generation. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we just once again come before you thankful. And God, we're just thankful for even in these times that are so different than what look like normal. God, we are just thankful that we can still come together and study your word. And God, this morning, as we study your word, as we look at our text this morning, God, I just pray that you would reveal each, to each and every one of us what you would have to say. And God, that this morning it would not be me uh, behind this pulpit preaching, but that you would be speaking through me. And God, we just are so thankful for our time together this morning. Be with us now. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Like I said, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 37. So if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and grab those, and we'll start there in Matthew 9. Then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, 
but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so when we, re- when we think about reaching the next generation, first we have to ask, our- ask ourselves the question, who is the next generation? Who is the generation that is coming up right now? So here, I just wanted to give you a few little pieces of information about the next generation, the generation called Generation Z. So here's just a few little pieces of information about Gen Z. Barna defines this new generation, Generation Z, as those born between 1999 and 2015. They are the most ethnically diverse generation alive today and have grown up with technology at their fingertips. Gen Z is considered also by Barna to be the first post-Christian generation. This means that the generation does not assert itself by any religious identity. And here's one more. More than half of Generation Z surveyed says that church is either not too or not at all important to them. And only one in five of them says that it is very important to them. There are so many of our teenagers that walk the halls of our middle schools and high schools who do not know Christ. They are a part of that group who would say, yeah, church is not very important to me. I'm not really a part of church. I don't really see uh, the benefit. I don't know what the big deal about church is. And I think here in this text and many other places uh, in the Bible, we see that the church, this church, not only Eastridge, but the church at large has an immense responsibility to reach the next generation. But however, we see a lot of different attitudes of church members when it comes to reaching the next generation. Some people may have the attitude of, well, somebody else will do it. You know, there's a lot of other people in the church, a lot of other people that may be better equipped to work with teenagers than me. I'll just leave that work to someone else. Or some people may say, well, yeah, that person, that, that's the student pastor's job. The student pastor, they pay him to do that. He's the one that's supposed to be uh, reaching our students. He's the only one that, he's the one that's really supposed to be dedicated to that. And the, probably one of the most disheartening attitudes I've ever heard concerning the next generation Why should we even try? Why should we even try? If we believe that those things that you just said are true, that Gen Z is the first post-Christian generation, that they don't assert themselves by any religious identity, why should we even try? And I think that's one of the most one of the most awful attitudes we can have when it comes to reaching the next generation. And so I just asked myself, I asked the question, why should we reach the next generation. Why should we reach the next generation? I just have a few things I wrote down. First, we can see the importance of reaching the next generation in Scripture. We see the importance of reaching the next generation in Scripture. Here's a few verses of Scripture for you. Deuteronomy 6, 5-7. through You probably know this one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Impress These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Here we see Moses commanding the Israelite people. Here's another verse, uh, 3 John 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Other examples we see in Scripture of of the importance of reaching the next generation 
Probably one of the best and one of the most obvious ones we see is we see the example of Christ being a mentor to his disciples throughout his earthly ministry. We see him just teaching them all that he has given. And then we also see uh, the example of Paul being a mentor to young men in Scripture like Timothy and all the letters that Paul uh, wrote to Timothy, a young pastor in the new and emerging New Testament church. We see over and over, time and time again, the importance of reaching the next generation in Scripture. Secondly, I just said, why should we reach the next generation? Student ministry is not second-tier ministry. Student ministry is not second-tier ministry. The discipleship of our teenagers is too important to not prioritize student ministry in our churches. I have a quote here. It's from Adam Griffin. He says, middle school and high school students generally don't have adult wisdom or adult coping mechanisms, yet they face adult problems every single day. Our students face things every single day, like Adam Griffin said here, that many of us would never imagine would happen. Many of our students face trials and temptations that we would think back when, back when we were in high school that, man, these things would never happen to middle school and high school students, but man, they are happening today. Here's a few examples of what I mean, of some of the things that our students are having to deal with now. Eleven. Eleven is the average age that a child is first exposed to pornography, and 94% of children will see pornography by the age of 14. Here's another one. Findings by the CDC show that by 12th grade, about two-thirds of students have already tried alcohol. And another one, 58% of seniors, 12th grade students, have already been exposed to and experimented with marijuana. So if we think that our students aren't facing these kind of problems every single day, then we really are sticking our heads in the sand because we see our students are going through things that we would have never imagined. We must come alongside our students, not only the students here at our churches, but also the students in our schools, in our school districts, and show them where to find ultimate fulfillment, and that's ultimately in Christ. We must be there to be, come alongside them and help them go through these things that they go through every day. Student ministry, as you can see, is not second-tier ministry. And the third reason I wrote down as to why should we reach the next generation I just simply said the next generation is a part of the church today. We often hear the phrase, given with good sentiment, that teenagers are the future of the church. Our students, our teenagers, young people are the future of the church. And I 100% agree with you that our students are 100% uh, are the future of the church. But they are not only the future of the church, they are the church today. They are the church now, and Greg Steer puts it this way, we are losing the church of tomorrow because we are not taking them seriously today. Each and every one of us as believers has been uniquely gifted by God to do the work of ministry in our local churches, and that includes students. That includes our teenagers that are in each and every one of our churches. They have amazing uh, talents. They have amazing abilities. They have amazing God-given gifts that, that can be used for the glory of God to serve our local churches, to serve East Ridge Baptist Church. 
Church, again, let me just say, they are not only a part of the future church. Our students, our teenagers are a part of today's church right now. And since they are a part of today's church, we as the church have the responsibility of reaching, equipping, and using them and their God-given gifts today and now. And I just simply just want to lay this truth before you that it is the entire church's responsibility to reach the next generation. Each and every one of us play a key role in reaching the next generation. We must remember and take to heart the commission that we're given in Matthew 28 by Christ himself. We all know that. Go and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the commands I have given you. And listen to me, church, the next generation is included in this command given to us by Christ. The next generation, our students and our teenagers, are included in that command from Jesus Christ. Our text this morning here in Matthew 9 shows us that the harvest is ready. There are teenagers that are out in our communities that are looking for fulfillment. They are desperately and desperately searching for something that's going to fill their lives and make them whole. However, I have to say that many of them are looking in the complete wrong Places. They are looking towards everything that the world can give them to make them whole. But let me tell you, the whole church, the whole church, all of us have the responsibility of showing the next generation the one person and the one thing that can give them ultimate fulfillment, the one thing that they are desperately searching for every single day is Jesus Christ. We have the responsibility to share the gospel message with them and show them that they are fully and freely and forever forgiven through Christ Jesus. And we as the church must be the workers in the fields that are ready for the harvest. But I have to be honest with you, working in the fields, working in the trenches of student ministry is hard work. Working in the fields, working in the trenches with teenagers and with students can be very tiring and very hard work, but the results are absolutely amazing. So now we've looked at why should we reach the next generation, but now we must ask how. How do we reach the next generation? And here's just a couple things quickly, and then I'll wrap up. How do we reach the next generation from our text this morning Simply the first way to reach the next generation is to pray. Our text this morning tells each of us we must pray as we reach the next generations. Then Jesus, in verse 37, said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Right there in verse 38, Ask the Lord of the harvest. Pray. Each of us as Christ followers, can pray as we go out into the fields to reach the next generation. Well, what should we pray for? How should we pray as we go to reach the next generation? I just first said pray for our students. Pray for our teenagers. Ask God that He would give them the heart to grow in their love and their knowledge for Christ. Pray for our students as they, as they walk the halls of their schools, uh, on, their, on their sports teams, on their clubs, in the bands that they're in, and the so many different activities they're in. Pray for our students diligently every day. 
Also wrote down, pray that there would be a spiritual awakening among Generation Z, among the next generation. The greatest revivals in history, you can look back through time and through history, the greatest spiritual revivals in history have been led at the forefront by young people, by students. All right, We may not be able to open the hearts of students, but we can be there to pray for them. And we can be there to ask the Lord to open their hearts. And then we can be there to reap the harvest when their hearts are opened. And again, another way I said pray, I said pray that we would have a renewed spirit about reaching students. Pray that God would give each and every one of us as church members an urgency about reaching the next generation. We cannot afford uh, to wait any longer and potentially lose more and more students. Each of us can do our part of reaching students. And how do we do that? Well, simply, secondly, from our text, I said, secondly, go to work. Go to work. We see this in verse 38 as well. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Pray, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Well, how can I go to work about reaching the next generation? How, to, how do I, as a church member, go to work in reaching the next generation? Here's a few things, and I'll be done. First, I just said one of the best ways you can go to work and reach the next generation is volunteer. Let me tell you, student ministry is always looking for volunteers. There can never be a shortage of volunteers in student ministry. There can never be enough help that uh, we can have to reach our students in student ministry events and in in all the different things that our students are uh, involved in here at our church. So make sure you ask where you can volunteer, where you can be the hands and feet of Christ with our students. Secondly, I just wrote down, mentor, our, mentor a student. Mentor a student or a couple. As I mentioned earlier, I gave you some things that our students are having to live through each and every day. Remember, our students are the next generation is a post-Christian generation. They're living in a post-Christian world. The challenges they face every day, as we saw earlier, are astounding. Things we would never imagine. One of the greatest ways to reach the next generation is to come alongside them and to help them through their daily challenges that they face. You have so much wisdom to pass on to students. You have so much life experience to pass on to students. So pass it on. They are looking for these relationships, for people to come alongside them, older adults to come alongside them and to tell them, hey, how does life work? How do I go about this whole new world and coming into being a teenager and then graduating, going to college, becoming an adult, all these different things? They are looking for these relationships. And the last, one of the last ways I just wrote down of how to go to work, of reaching the next generation, I just simply said, be intentional about being relational with our students. Be intentional about being relational with our students. Studies show that students and young adults want to be a part of churches that are multi-generational. Ones where maybe some older members, some adults or older members are willing to come alongside them and really build relationships with them. 
You may say, well, I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little too old for that. I don't know if I can really relate well to students. All you have to do is just be there for them. That's all they want. Ask them how they're doing. What are they doing at school? How are their classes going? Just be there for them to support them. We are called to be, as a church, a body of believers that builds each other up. And this includes our students and our teenagers. We must go to work, church. We must be the hands and feet to reach the next generation. Here, as, as we just kind of close our time together this morning, I think back uh, to my time when I was uh, doing my undergrad at East Texas Baptist University. That was in uh, Marshall, Texas. And for the first year that I was uh, there at ETBU, I worked on the landscaping crew there at ETBU. I remember I was a broke college student, and so I needed money, and so I did whatever I had to do uh, to make money, and that kind of manifested itself as working uh, on the landscaping crew. And so I was out every single day there on campus uh, cutting grass, mowing, uh, weed eating, uh, trimming hedges, planting flowers, getting down in the dirt. And I mean, every day after I was done, I mean, I would be so uh, nasty. I'd be covered in dirt and grass and sweat, and I would just come back to my dorm room feeling nasty. I mean, it was hard work. I mean, I was in the trenches every single day, and I would come home exhausted and just beat up after working uh, all these days in the sun there on the landscaping crew. And, and, but one of the best things about working on the landscaping crew, whether you were uh, mowing a part of the campus or whether you were planting flowers or trimming hedges, uh, one of the best things you could do is after you were done, after you cleaned up, after you uh, cleaned up all the grass trimmings and all the hedges, you could step back and you could look at all the work that you had done. You could step back, you could think back, man, this, this flower bed or these hedges looked this way once I started. They looked awful, they were just, they were really kind of mangled, but now that I'm done, man, look at them now. They look way better, they look ten times better, they look absolutely perfect. I mean, they look amazing. And you could look back and you could see all the work that was done and just marvel at what you had accomplished. Remember I said earlier in our time together, working in the fields and working in the trenches of student ministry is hard. It's hard work. But being able to look back and see the results of our work with students is absolutely amazing. To be able to look back and see all of our hard work and see the beauty that has come of our work with students, to see that lives had been changed and students who didn't know Christ now have come to know Christ and who will forever be with Christ. Man, there's nothing more satisfying than be able to look at that and to say, wow, we as a church have done our part in reaching the next generation for Christ. And that is what it's all about. Being able to see the life change that takes place in students' lives when they come to see Christ as we reach the next generation. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, just once again, we are so thankful that you have given us this opportunity to come and study your word. 
And God, this morning as we've looked here in Matthew chapter 9, and we have seen the command that we have been given, we see the urgency that we should have as we reach the next generation. God, I pray this morning that you would just, God, that you would just give each of us a renewed sense, a renewed sense of urgency, God, about reaching the next generation. That each and every one of those watching this morning would, would say to themselves, would pray, God, give me the heart and give me the desire to do the work of ministry with our students. And God, like we've said, ministry with students can be hard. God, it can be tough, tough work. But God, just give us endurance, give us the energy, give us, give us the strength to do what you have called us to do as church members, to go and reach the next generation for you. And God, we just pray this morning in the name of Christ that you would spend, send a spiritual awakening among the next generation. God, that your spirit would sweep across our schools. God, in the hallways where our students walk, on the fields that they play, God, that, you would, that your power would be seen mightily in the way of the next generation. And God, that we may see our students, God, be the hands and feet of Christ. God, that then we, that they could go into their schools and they could be the ones reaching their peers, their teammates, God, whoever it may be. God, once again, we just thank you so much for our time together this morning. It's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, Ryan, uh, for that message. Uh, it was good and, and a good challenge for us to hear that we are to, to reach the next generation. Everybody is to do that. And we also heard of the hope of Christ, that, that, it is, that it is Christ that we are trying to reach people with and not anything else, but it is Christ who provides us with hope. And so maybe today you've heard this and, and you want to know more about Christ. You want to know more about the hope that you can have in Christ. Well, we're here. Uh, you can give us a call. You can send me an email this week. I'd be happy to talk to you more about Jesus and who he is and the hope that he offers us, the salvation that he provides for us. Well, you know, mo mainly we would have uh, you guys vote at this moment, uh, but you guys are not here. You're at home. But just I want to walk through the, the process just quickly. Uh, you've, you've heard from me in a video You've most likely, hopefully, received a letter. We've tried to send a letter to every member of our church. Uh, so you've received a letter from me. This morning, I also emailed out uh, the link to the live stream, as well as the link to a page that you can get even more information about Ryan on, the same information that you received in the letter that I sent you, as well as I put in there a, a link where you can go and vote for Ryan. And you should have that information in the letter as well. Um, I will continue to send that out uh, again this week, or if you need that, feel free to contact me, but it's simply eastridgebc.com slash Ryan to learn more about him, and eastridgebc.com slash vote uh, in order to vote for him digitally. Now, of course, if you're not into technology and things like that, uh, you have my phone number, 
and you can give me a call and let me know what your vote is, or you can send in a ballot. And in fact, I received a ballot this morning um, from someone. So I know that you guys have got it. I know that it's easy to do and, and able to, to send that in. So we will uh, go through this week uh, on at Friday uh, at about 5 o'clock uh, is when our mail usually runs. And so that's when we will cut things off. Friday around 5, 6 o'clock is when we will cut it off. And we'll tally all of the votes. Uh, we'll let Ryan know kind of where things are at. And we hope to have uh, an answer from him soon and, and be able to share with you um, what, what the outcome of all of this might be. So thank you again for being flexible through this difficult time as we are at stay-at-home orders. And again, if you have any questions, please feel free to uh, give me a call send me an email, and if you want to know more about the hope that we can have in Christ, uh, please feel free to reach out as well. Well, I'll turn things over to Paul.